Brian. I'm so fucked up. I'm just so fucked up. <laughs> Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me, as always, is Andrew Mount. I swallowed your cum. That means something. And Mason Kuzmich. <laughs> okay. On today's good start, epi- good start. <laughs> on today's episode, we're discussing Vanilla Sky, a sci-fi... Oh, I didn't know we were talking about Vanilla Sky today. <laughs> oh. I was just, you know, oh. just saying things from my heart, just confessing things from my past. Oh. With Donovan. Oh. On today's episode, we're discussing <laughs> Vanilla Sky, a sci-fi psychological thriller following David Ames, a self-indulgent and vain publishing magnate whose privileged life is upended by a vehicular accident. What did you guys think? I mean, I didn't hate it. Uh, I As, didn't like it either. Yeah, I think what I'm learning is that <laughs> I don't really like Cameron Crowe movies that much. Uh, wasn't a huge. wasn't huge on Jerry Maguire, and this one was definitely a step down from Jerry Maguire, but... Uh, yeah. It's like the first half of the movie. Actually, weirdly enough, I was more into the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, once some of the sci-fi shit started getting put in there, but I felt the first half was mostly boring. Yeah. Well, it was a really long time between watches of this movie for me, so I didn't pick up on anything new. But upon reading the trivia, I might want to give this a rewatch because apparently there's a lot of, you know, hidden shit in like the first half of the movie that you know, like when the splice happens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like apparently there's a lot of like signs and stuff like that and a lot of little little things here and there. So maybe it's better on another watch when you get those little those little things. But And then you can realize that the entire movie was a dream and it's just it's all No, only half the movie was a dream. Okay, look, we're gonna talk about that later, all right. <laughs> I'm not gonna team up against Mason for once on this crazy stupid theory that he's coming up with just to make people mad. Oh, I'm not saying it just to make people mad. I think I read the same thing you did. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, We're all getting our knowledge about this movie from the Wikipedia article. None of us this, did any more research me. than that. This is a podcast of original ideas. Oh, I, you're okay, correct. Look, you're 100% look, original listen ideas. Here, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're we just going to read copy pasta now? Yeah. Well, okay. I graduated first oh, in my okay. class from, <laughs> I don't know, what, like sniper school or something? Sniper school at the Marine Academy? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. I got a thousand confirmed kills. I don't know the rest of it. I don't know. It's. Are you trying to be Chris Kyle? No. Don't say anything, Mason. Okay. (laughs) All right. Moving on. I'm picking American Sniper. For what? It's a different podcast. For for what? It's a different thing. Tom Cruise wasn't in that. (laughs) Yeah, there are no other podcasts. It's important for us to pretend that we don't have other podcasts because, you know, God forbid we like cross market or anything like that. Yeah. Also, at Never. this point, we don't have another podcast. Hey, shut up. <laughs> I don't know that if they're listening to this in, I want to say, 2069. Nice. Nice. Okay, on that note, let's get into our discussion of Vanilla Sky. Try 
David Ames, the owner of a large publishing company he inherited from his father, is in prison. Wearing a prosthetic mask, David tells his life story to court psychologist Dr. Curtis McCabe. In flashbacks, David leaves the duty of the publisher to his father's trusted associates while living as a playboy in Manhattan. He is introduced by Sophia Serrano by his best friend Brian Shelby during a party. David and Sophia spend the night together at Sophia's apartment and fall in love, unaware that David's current lover, Julie Gianni, has followed them there. As David leaves, Julie offers him a ride and soon reveals her jealousy of Sophia. She purposely crashes the car, killing herself and drastically disfiguring David. Women, am I right? No. Yeah, no. No, No, you're not. (laughs) This is an interesting... I don't know what to say about this. I know exactly what to say about this. Start. (laughs) Somewhere in this section, uh, there are lots of notes that I've written. Um, I don't completely remember the context of all of them. (laughs) Go. The first is that the five basic emotions are guilt, shame, hate, revenge, (laughs) and love. (laughs) Yeah. No, those are (laughs) the only emotions I've ever felt. Four extremely specific bad... Well, I'm sorry. Three extremely specific bad emotions revenge (laughs) which is more of a concept than an emotion and then love um also there's a john coltrane hologram somewhere um and also i put in here why is tom cruise so afraid of the board if he has like every fucking person he talks to he's talking about the goddamn seven dwarves he's talking about this board all the time but he has 51 percent of the company yes so why is he afraid of the board is it not weird? He's total control of the company. He does. Is it not weird that he calls them the Seven Dwarves? It is kind of weird. I don't. I don't, I don't so, even I mean, understand what he's trying to say by that. From someone who some of them are happy and some of them are dopey and one of them is tired a lot and one of them wears glasses. From someone who doesn't understand the workings of boards and businesses and owning all that stuff because I'm poor and will never have to worry about that. Do, do you just if you own fifty one percent of the company, do you not have to answer to the board at all? Also, like, it's supposed to be shareholders, right? Like, ma- major shareholders? I don't really understand it either. But I mean, I, I don't have, have, like, a perfect understanding. But, yeah, my understanding is that usually on the board, I don't know if they have to be shareholders, but you usually have a bunch of votes. But if you have 51% yeah. of equity in the company... You control 51% of the company, no one can outvote you. Yeah, no one can tell you what to do. Hmm. It's not like you're Steve Jobs and you're the CEO and your board can remove you because you don't own the company anymore, right? You, you do own the fucking company. And you're on another ayahuasca trip or something. Yeah, so you can just say, <laughs> I'm the president. I don't, or CEO, but the, whatever he is. But at the same time, if you don't, you know, listen to what the board has to say and stuff like that and just do whatever the fuck you want, is that really good business practices? I mean, I guess no, but I think my point Maybe is that if, if you're, you're a genius and a visionary, I mean, I guess if you're, I guess if you're as, you know, this type of personality of David Ames, I guess you don't give a fuck what, what, yeah, what you do. I'm just saying so. if, if he doesn't like them and he has a controlling stake in the company, I don't even understand why they are the board. Maybe that's part of his dad's will too or I something think, like I think that, he but said, he should be able to just dismiss them whenever he wants to. Yeah. I think he said something about his dad appointed them or something like that. But yeah, okay. if he, if he does have what con- power they'd have against him, but whatever. I mean, if he does have control of stake in the company, that would make him their boss and he could just fire them. You yeah. would think, but yeah, and then you bring in a know. new board. Maybe it kind of makes sense. They were, they kept trying to get him like what declared legally incompetent or something. Yeah, like I th- that. I, I think that was their have to do if you couldn't literally outvote him. Right. Mm. I think that's, that was their play to get rid of his controlling stake. Yeah. But, I just don't know what your board does at that point. Whatever. Anyway, uh, and also, Cameron Diaz is insane. 
Yeah, she yeah. really is overreacting. I yeah. think. I don't want to act like he treated her well because he certainly didn't. No, not I at don't, all. I mean, I don't think you know murder but, or suicide is the answer to her feelings. But also, so it's, it's really the solution to most problems. I find no, no solved like most of my problems. No, no. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm uh, not even sitting here right now. No, <laughs> no. But I mean, I think it was pretty, Im- pretty implied that. Or not even implied, like explicitly stated that that David and Julie's relationship—they were just fuck buddies. Well, okay, that was that was kind of his term for it, and the, I, I guess they're ex, they were kind of explicit in saying that they weren't super serious. Well, but from but, her perspective, she swallowed his cum, and that means something. Yes, <laughs> and they made love four times last night. That means something. Yeah, but he tried to ask her what it meant, and she was like, "It means something." Yeah. never explained it probably meant revenge <laughs> yeah it probably means revenge could be hate though maybe shame shame yeah you're right maybe instead of saying it means something she should have just been like it means we care about each other and i'd like to discuss explicitly what the terms of our relationship are with you no i just crashed the car they just crashed the car because you assumed one thing and he assumed a different thing well first show up in his in his home uh un- unannounced <coughs> and uninvited naked yeah during his birthday also party. i said this um i said this when we were watching it and it may have just been um because it was a controlled movie set or whatever and i also understand that you know accidents don't have to look bad to be bad but i just felt like the accident they were in was you know not good but for what ended up happening to julie and him i felt like it wasn't as violent as like like when the car crashed like there was no damage to where they were sitting at all. And I feel like, how can he be disfigured if there wasn't any damage up there? I don't know. It was just, it was, probably so, one it, was, of those. It, was it was something that kind of just stuck out to me as like, Oh yeah, it's a movie. So this is actually one of those uh, trivia points is that uh, if you watch the extended version of this, there's a scene where he's hiding a bunch of Claymore mines in her glove compartment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, also known as Takata airbags. Exactly. <laughs> and he's saying, this will be a funny prank when all this shrapnel explodes out towards her face. Oh, I wasn't supposed to be in the car at this moment. Yeah. Oh, but they deleted no. that. It was too, yeah. The movie was too long, so they had to delete that scene. Did y'all did y'all either a practice that or b read that on the same thing? Because that was very well choreographed between oh, the two of thanks. you. Uh, we did not practice it. It's not real, so we didn't read it on the same thing. We just we, yeah, we just sync up sometimes. Yeah, to clarify, that scene does not exist. <laughs> but well, Takata y'all's comedic are rhythm dangerous. is a plus. Thanks. Thanks. I'm gonna edit all of that out. Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> Uh, all right, doctors cannot completely repair David's face using plastic surgery, leaving it scarred and misshapen. Ames wears a prosthetic mask around others, but the mental and physical scarring from the accident causes him to become withdrawn and depressed. Brian convinces David to join him and Sophia at a club, but David ends up drunk and insults the two. They leave him to wallow in the streets outside the club. Been there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, uh, 
Um, so I don't want to come out swinging at this movie or anything because yeah. I, I didn't hate this movie. But this reminds me, I've often thought to myself, wouldn't it be fun if a movie like started out as one thing and then like slowly shifted into a totally different genre? Mm-hmm. Like if you start with like a rom-com and then just like a zombie apocalypse happens an hour and yeah. they're like, shit, we have to drop all that and yeah. deal with the zombie apocalypse. Um, this movie did that and I found it to be a jarring and unpleasant experience. Mm-hmm. I felt like the first half of the movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be some kind of weird romance mm-hmm. slash tale of had this man maintaining corporate power and then it just turned to a sci-fi movie halfway through and i really hated the movie up until the end of this paragraph see i think i think what would have helped it is if they'd had more i guess more obvious hints like maybe not things you would connect immediately but like when it when you get to a certain point in the movie you think oh all right now that makes sense because yeah, it, they, didn't, so. really, they didn't really have that it it transitioned almost not just into like a whole new set of ideas but like a whole new set of characters and things got added yeah. in that really give very little feeling for yeah. as this goes on yeah i think you're right i think maybe if there had been some if you like really explicitly knew in the first couple of scenes i mean i know that he has that scene with the man who i have learned is not jeff bridges mm-hmm. uh kurt, kurt russell, russell? Um, russell you know, crowe he, he has those explanatory scenes with him so you know something's going to end up going wrong right but if you just saw something like him in the moment starting to realize that you know but i, I guess weird things hadn't started happening at that point yeah so i don't know it's just like a weird structure to the movie yeah, I mean, not to not to spoil this movie that people may not have watched and have listened to this podcast for some reason. We're going to be spoiling um, it by the end of this. So. Not, but not yet, though. Hold on to your butts. Up to this point in our recap, this is all real life. Yeah, because this is right when the sh- is it the splice happens. Y- yes. Anyway, continue. That's from the director of the movie. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Anyway, continue. Uh, can I go off on a patented Andrew unrelated explanation of a thing? I would be disappointed <laughs> if you did. Okay. Have you guys seen Book of Henry? Uh, no. Is that the one, prequel to Book of Eli? This is one of the most, no. <laughs> this is one of the most wild fucking movies I've ever seen. Uh, it was directed by Colin Trevorrow, and I think it might be the movie that made him lose Star Wars. Oh, um, okay. He did it after he did the uh, Jurassic Park movies, I think. Or maybe before that. I don't know. Anyway, so it's this movie about a kid, and it starts out. And it's like a quirky movie about a kid who's like super incredibly smart, right? And his mom is really irresponsible. So he's like the dad of the family, even though he's like 12. Yeah. And right. he's like impossibly smart, like making all these plans and like lecturing people on emotional maturity. And, uh, like a Ben Shapiro you know, like type. He's made them like a million dollars through investing money and all that stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to skip right past that. <laughs> you should. You really should. And then, and then the movie starts to shift into him plotting the murder of his neighbor because he's clearly abusing the girl that he likes. And then the kid dies of cancer in the middle of the movie. And the rest of the movie is his... Spoiler alert. The rest of the movie is his irresponsible mom reading his book which is a plan for how to kill the neighbor and carrying out the plot to kill the neighbor. Oh my God. And at the end, finally realizing, Oh, he's a kid. I shouldn't have killed this kid. I just get him arrested. But shit. Uh, anyway, it was amazing. It was a bad movie. Oh, okay. It's not a, it, I don't think it's a good idea to just like mash up genres like this. No, that's Indurance. fair. Okay. That's fair. Like, I, I think it could be done well. I don't, yeah, I don't think this one really, really accomplished that. There are definitely movies that what, you know um, that transition like they have the, the you know the big twist where they transition to something completely not necessarily completely different but like something wholly unexpected right and yeah the, uh, some of them work really well your name kind of pops out to me as one of those uh, my, my, my name's Mason it's not that complicated no the movie your name Mason 
Your name cool. Mason. I've never seen that movie before. Thanks, Andrew. I didn't want to keep it going. Fine. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to talk about it. That's no, fine. No, no. Elaborate. Elaborate. You do elaborate. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, that movie kind of starts off as, you know, it's just this anime movie about this boy and this girl body switching or whatever. And it's cute and fun and comedic and all that. And then all of a sudden it turns out it turns into something completely different. It's like, oh, wait, they were in different times and she was killed by this meteor. And then it becomes like this weird kind of mystery, but he's losing his memory and stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like there was like a huge shift i remember when i first watched it i was like oh yeah this is just a you know fun light-hearted anime movie and i'm like oh no it's sure. not at all yeah see i think that that did it well like you know in classic react and- sorry go ahead oh uh, like maybe that that wasn't really a genre shift because it was all kind of you know sci-fi fantasy the whole yeah. time but I, I guess it was more of a tonal shift but it was just such a big turn and i feel like they did it really well like it worked yeah. out really well in that movie. I think yeah. it's easier to to suspend disbelief too in an anime movie. Yeah, but that may just be me. Yeah, and I, I think that you know if you're uh, if you're looking at like you know classic three act structure for movies or whatever, or I don't know plays, whatever, whatever three acts comes from. Um, if you, you usually like at the end of the first act is when you, you kind of like understand what's going on, right? You, mm-hmm. Your characters start to fully comprehend the problem that they're facing. Um, and I feel like this movie, it was like two thirds of the way <laughs> through the, or, you know, perhaps maybe just the last 30 minutes when you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't real. Like that's fundamentally the problem that you've been facing for the last half of this. Right. Um, whereas I think your name was better and that you understood really quickly that like the premise underlying the whole thing is like, oh, we're switching bodies and we don't totally remember it. And we have to figure out why that's happening mm-hmm. yeah. and then it's just that the problem gets worse and worse yeah as time goes on yeah i mean they they definitely had like some references here and there to like cryo freezing early yeah. on in the movie um but there was there was nothing they really seemed to connect it to anything yeah yeah it just wasn't it just wasn't raised as an issue early enough for the movie or yeah, yeah i don't know all right uh the next morning sophia returns to david asleep on the street and apologizes to him she takes him home and over time helps David emotionally recover. Doctors find a way to surgically repair David's face, face despite their prior prognosis. While David's life seems perfect, he notices strange oddities such as brief visions of his distorted face and a man at a bar who tells David that he could control the world and everyone in it. One day, while at Sophia's, David wakes up to find himself facing Julie with all of the photos of Sophia's face replaced by Julie's. Out of confusion and, confusion and shock, he suffocates Julie. David is arrested and imprisoned and finds his face no longer reconstructed and he's once again wearing the mask. God, the uh, the suffocation scene is probably one of the most brutal things I've seen in a movie. That was that was rough to watch. Yeah, it was, it was very unsettling. Also, and then he sees the mole on her boob and it's like, no, I that can, was that was from the boob scene earlier. Penelope Cruz. You by your boobs. It's your one distinguishing feature. That yeah. mole on your titties. <laughs> also, speaking of Penelope Cruz, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, cockblock you guys on the trivia and point out that she is reprising her role from the movie that this is a remake of. Ah, uh, yes. She the, played the exact same character in the in previous the, movie. Abre los ojos. Yes. Which means open your eyes oh, and gasp. see. It sounded like that movie was better. I almost wish we had watched <laughs> that one, maybe. It sounds like it's a lot bleaker. Well, well maybe when we do Cruisenet Part 2, where we do Penelope Cruz's movies, we're not no, doing we're that. No, we're not going to do that. All we're right. You, you had me. I, I was no, on board. No, we're no, not going to do that. We're not doing that. She's in a lot of really bad movies. If we're lucky, uh, we'll do Tom Hanks. And if we're not lucky, then I'll just be tired of this and want us to quit. Okay. <laughs> 
if we make it to the end at all. Yeah, the cracks are already starting to show, folks. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they can be seen in comments, like when I'm saying the cracks are starting to show, folks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I still like you guys. Uh, <laughs> no comment. Uh, so oh, I also want to no. talk about, can we talk about how his obsession with Sophia is absolutely batshit crazy? Well, like, you mean the fact that they've spent two days together and he's like, Madly in love with her. Yeah. Yeah. Like he seems he extremely offended that she doesn't like still stay really into him after, you know, he's been horribly disfigured in a car crash, which, you know, fair enough. But I, I met her like a day ago. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to also say they don't really, really specifically say this, but I'm going to say there's probably some, uh, some head trauma from the, from the accident affecting him here. Oh, maybe so. A little bit of Phineas Gage going on. It's just my assumption on this. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I will also say, I never really got the impression that she didn't like him because his face got disfigured. I got the impression she didn't like him because he was an asshole. Because he chugged tequila at the, yeah. at the bar. and yeah. I mean, at her very first, the first time that he showed up for her, she definitely was acting weird at like her dance studio or whatever. But that's I think a that's weird just, place to it's show, weird behavior. Yeah. 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 It was like, we met yesterday and I'm just going to. Yeah. Come up and be like, hey, I look totally different. I'm going to judge you completely by your reaction that you have right now. Look no my, preparation. Look at Good my luck. awesome mask. It's great. Yeah. It's my face. Like, have you been married to the guy for 20 years and then he got into an accident and it fucked up his face and then you hated him? I would be like, wow, I don't know. Maybe you should be the bigger person there. You know, mm-hmm. maybe other things matter more. But if it's like, you only do the do for a day. Like, how much do you owe this person? Come on. I mean, at that point in the relationship, isn't it mostly based on looks at that point? Yeah. Like, that's the thing that connects people, usually, is physical attractiveness, and then you learn more about the person, and that's where it grows from there, but it's been a day. That's so, where it grows, no, you say? No, I, th- I think I think his, uh, his, his feelings make complete sense, and I'll explain it to you all in our next life oh. when we're all cats. <laughs> oh, yeah, what the fuck is that line? <laughs> uh, fun, what does that mean? <laughs> little fun fact about that, uh, Penelope Cruz said that one day when she was frustrated filming to Cameron Crowe, and he liked it, so he put it in the film. Multiple times. That doesn't times. tell you wow. what it means, but it's in the movie now. <laughs> I was assuming that since this was a Spanish movie, maybe that was some sort of like, I mean, you know, Spanish cultural reference that I, mean, I didn't understand. Penelope Cruz said it on a whim during filming one day so maybe yeah. it is some sort of you know maybe, spanish maybe, so. maybe it's just something her mom said to her when she was a kid or something or who knows yeah, but what does penelope it mean? cruz tweet at us tell us what that means don't she, tweet mean, at us penelope cruz you know what you did <laughs> oh no it means that she'll explain it when she'll she'll tell him in the next life when they're both cats thank you for just repeating the quote as an explanation <laughs> you're welcome um I know you said something during the movie, Andrew, when they were telling him they were they made up some fancy word for the mask, and then he like freaks out because it's just a mask. I think you were saying like you weren't on his side until that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that oh, is, the that is They're like, the like here's our special regenerative treatment that we have for you, and he's just like, this is a fucking mask. <laughs> You just took the mask from the guy from Halloween. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, before that, he's just, like, screaming at this panel of doctors. And I'm like, calm down, buddy. Like, these guys know, you know, he he sounded like he was indignant because he had, you know, researched a lot of stuff on his own. But also, it's a panel of doctors, so they probably know their shit, too. The arm guy had some real solutions. Yeah. (laughs) But the mask guy, I don't, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. Maybe, maybe you can just make it so people don't look at you. By wearing a mask? Yeah. 
well, perhaps you could wear this paper sack on your head, <laughs> Mr. Ames. Have you considered that? <laughs> it's a special regenerative sack. Uh, yeah, but see, if he didn't have that mask, then he couldn't get that real, that, that fun shot of him with a face on the back of his head as he's wandering around the club drunk on tequila. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the very few <laughs> redeeming moments of this movie. <laughs> it was pretty great. Uh, I also feel like we probably could have done, with today's technology, pretty good reconstructive surgery probably better than they did in that movie and this mm-hmm. is supposed to take place in like 2051 so yeah i don't know it's a little hard to believe they didn't have the well, the ability to do that this part is supposed to be taking place in 2051 or i they i don't know they this place it jumps around so often okay fair it, enough. the only thing i i read a thing where it said vanilla sky takes place in 2051 which considering this takes place in two different times is not helpful but it's the average between the times that it actually takes place, which is 2,000 and 2,100. I, I mean, it seems like it is fut- in the future, though. I, th- I think probably, like, the, the main timeline is probably 2051. Because, like, you know, they've got, like, you know, the little TV that comes up. It's all futuristic. They've got this whole cryo thing, like, which I guess we have that now. But this seemed more, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. And they had, you know, like, the hologram at the party and stuff like that. Like, they had, like, futuristic stuff. We've had that stuff. for a little while now. Mason, I'm sorry. They had, they they made Tupac go on stage with somebody. I, no, I, I know. I don't know. It, Did it, we it, have that in 2000 though? I don't no. Know. I mean, no. clearly it's in the movie. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Doctor McCabe conducts several more interviews, which serve to help David to recall the name Life Extension. Seeing a company with that name nearby, McCabe arranges to take David there under guard. The company representative, Rebecca, explains how life extension uses cryonic suspension to save those with terminal illnesses until a cure can be found, keeping them in a lucid dream state to otherwise exercise their mind. David realizes that he is in his own lucid dream, escapes McCabe and the guards while calling for tech support, and rushes for the building's lobby, which is suddenly empty. An elevator opens, revealing the strange man from the bar who invites him in. And who, no one will convince me, is not Pete Buttigieg. Uh, who's who's that? The the guy from the bar, uh-huh. the strange man from the bar. Who's Pete Buttigieg? I've never heard of that name before in my That's life. It's okay. It's okay if you don't know. No, oh, this, okay. that it's better that actor don't. was in Game of Thrones and Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, oh, Pete wait, Buttigieg. Who's in Game of Thrones? Thorn. Thorn. I think it's his name. I don't know. It's the one who cuts off Jamie Lannister's hand. Oh, Locke. 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 Whatever. Interesting. Yes, yeah, he I, just man, has I a. He just has um. You know. More Game of Thronesy hair, facial yeah, hair. That's, that's um, a very accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Game of Thronesy hair, but yeah. So uh, and he, and he he works with Tom Cruise again in Edge of Tomorrow. So so th- this is kind of where the big twist, though, kind of really takes place, right? Like, yeah, this is like when he realizes that he's part of he's lucid dreaming and all yeah. this stuff. So, yeah. Uh, in fact, I would like to shout out the fact that uh, although it is too late for us to uh, to to change tracks at this moment, that this Wikipedia summary, the last two paragraphs cover two scenes in total. <laughs> so there are. So just know that when we're hearing this at this point, there are two scenes left in this movie, and each of them get a whole paragraph. That's and, how, like, backloaded the sci-fi element of this movie is. And there are at least three more mentions of the reincarnation in Cat's bit. I think, uh, I think this, that, this recap kind of expresses something I didn't enjoy about this movie, is that, and we, you, you mentioned it before, there's, like, not enough at the beginning of the movie to kind of imply the 
twist or whatever or whatever's yeah. happening. And then the last like scene in the movie is just this dude just shouting exposition at the screen, explaining everything that happened, and you're like, okay. It feels very Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, like, a, like like oh yeah, you didn't actually kill her. You didn't actually murder her. This whole bit where you're so, stuck in a jail cell doesn't really mean much of anything. It's like yeah. a, it's like oh yeah, I've just sat here for an hour forty five, and then the last fifteen, you're going to tell me all the stuff that actually happened, and then you're going to end the movie. And it's like okay, yeah. well, well the fact that it is his subconscious though does explain why the uh, the therapist seems to think there are only five emotional states. So that helps a bit. <laughs> yeah, and why only four of them are emotions? Yeah. And two of them are the like the same emotion, basically. And, yeah. Um, hate and, and love. <laughs> yes. And horny. Hate and love. I was going to say guilt and shame. I guess those are a little different. Yeah. But, you know. Um, so I was going to say something that I couldn't remember at the beginning of this sentence, and now <laughs> I'm flailing because I'm still. You got it, buddy. You got it. it. Okay, no, no, I believe in you. So the structure of this movie <laughs> really suggests that. Okay, so it feels like the pivotal moment, right, is where we get the exposition and we learn about the lucid dream, right? Uh-huh. That feels like the thing that the movie's been leading up to. <laughs> yes. But then that would suggest that the whole movie is about that. So I would say if you're going to fix this movie, then you need to have like 10 minutes outside of the lucid dream and then like everything else is the lucid dream. And that's when stuff yeah. got, starts getting dropped. But but like really... But the, and then if you do it that way, you can spread it out more too. Like you can have like, okay, this is cl- this is like clearly obvious. And you have this question like, oh, am I dreaming? Oh, am I awake? Yeah. And yeah, you just kind of have a few double takes with that. You can you can do something with that. Exactly. Or you can go the flip side. Like the movie, since they don't spend their whole time on the lucid dream, right? They're spending their whole time with this Tom Cruise character. So you could do it the other way. But then I think you'd have to focus a lot more on like what exactly is changing in his character, you know? And mm-hmm. you would need to have a moment that felt pivotal to that. Like if I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I don't know, what changed Tom Cruise from being a douchebag to being less of a douchebag at the end? I don't even like really remember the ways in which he was less of a douchebag and i certainly couldn't pinpoint like a specific moment other than generally he's ugly now and sophia being nice to him after that was good said he know. didn't want to live a lie anymore i guess in the dream that's kind of that's kind of what it amounts to right exactly it's like that's what you're spending the whole movie on but it's sort of like a weak push that you're doing I mean, you know your remember, character arc yeah. is not super strong the, the real message of the movie, though, is kids, if you think, if you get this even, like, slight nagging feeling in the back of your head that this whole world might be fake, go find the tallest building and jump off it. Yeah, there you go. Well, what I got from this movie was that he was an entitled... Don't do that. He was an entitled rich kid who was an asshole to all of his friends, and then his face got disfigured and he was disfigured, and he was still an asshole, but he was, you know, all self, you know, mopey and all that and stuff. Drunk. Yeah. And then... And then in real life, Sophia breaks up with him, so he puts himself in this cryonic thing until he can get his face fixed, because that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. No, I, I didn't really see much of a character arc yeah. from, from him in terms of his personality. He's kind of been a dick the whole time, and then kind of, I don't know, just feels like the his life would go back to the way it was if his face was fixed. And I'm like, well, yeah. not really. Yeah. His, his whole complaint to his doctors about his face was, you know... Uh, it's about functioning in society, which I mean, you can <laughs> talk. Up. You can the the guy over there has a great plan to fix your arm. Yeah. So that's that's gonna be okay. I mean, at at this at this point, the damage onto his face is is aesthetic at this point. Like, it's, there's no yeah. they they didn't. I guess he talked about he had headaches. So I yeah. guess there was some med- some medical problems. But you know, like you said, he probably suffered a head injury. He probably he had brain damage because yeah. normal. If if you have that kind of disfiguration to your face, you, your head probably got hit. You know, in the 
crash or whatever you would think. Yeah, yeah. I, they definitely talked about his skull being fractured. Yeah, so but Which any but tends it, to cause some brain trauma. But he doesn't he. He he kind of said that as a throwaway line. He was more concerned about how fucked up his face looked, which uh-huh. honestly it didn't really look that bad. I mean, it's I Tom mean, Cruise. How how bad can you make him well, look? Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he didn't look like Tom. He didn't look like the handsome Tom Cruise anymore. But he there's just a few scars and stuff like that. You know, wasn't that bad? Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people who are come off way worse than that, and off of injuries, and mm-hmm. go on to live perfectly happy lives. So Phineas Gage. Yeah. Famously, was not super happy after well, he got well, a railroad spike driven through yeah, his brain. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That maybe, was maybe his eye. Uh, yeah, like I'd be took, mad if there was a railroad spike through my eye too. It took part of his eye. It took a chunk of his brain. It was, it was a whole mess. It was a whole thing. Oh well, yeah, like I think there's some like psychologist back in the day who was like, "Wow, Phineas Gage sure is a douchebag now." <laughs> He's just over here like, ah! <laughs> why, why, it's all the time. Why is Phineas only feeling the emotional the emotional feeling of uh, love or uh, revenge, revenge, revenge? <laughs> I'll destroy as many train spikes as I can. Um, did they mention if his face was still going to be disfigured when he woke up? Like how much his face had been repaired? Uh, I think the the uh, tech support guy told him pretty much straight up that, yeah, they have the technology to fix that now. Okay. So, so I think that would be the play for me. Because, like, in all the things that Donnie mentioned, you have, like, the pieces of a good character arc there, you know? You could be like, oh, you're a rich kid, and everything's been handed to you your whole life, and it's all really easy, and... You know, at the end, your choice is that you want something that's real instead of something mm-hmm. that's comfortable. And you're like, oh, no, I want the dream to be over, even if it means that my face is disfigured and I don't have any yeah. money because it's the future and I don't have my company anymore. I have to make my own way in the world. Yeah. But, but yeah, I didn't really feel like when, yeah. when he's like, I don't, I, you know, I'd rather have a real thing than the dream. It's just like, I don't, what? <laughs> but my face <laughs> is back now. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, after he uh, after he wakes up from the lucid dream, he's going to go get a cat. He's yeah. going to name it Sophia. And he's just going to get rich again because he's so damn handsome. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how that works. And become a movie star with $700 million. And if he had, you know, even like uh, a buck fifty in his bank account, that compounding interest is going to stack up real well. Yeah. What would be the PIN number to that bank account? Uh, same as a... Same as a... What, cheese pizza and a large soda where I used to work? I thought you knew the exact code. I think it's 1099. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I'll Google it. Y'all, y'all talk about something else. I'll Google it too. Donnie Vamp on your own. All <laughs> right. As the elevator climbs to the top of an impossibly tall building, the man explains to David he is tech support and that David has been in suspension for 150 years, starting shortly after the night at the club where Sophia broke up with him. David opted for life extension to be woken when technology could repair his face and left the publishing company in the hands of his father's associates. As part of the program, David has opted for a lucid dream based on the vanilla sky from a uh, Claude Monet pa- painting, The Sin at Argentil. Hopefully that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting the morning after Sophia's breakup. However, the equipment has... M- had merged elements of his subconscious such as julie or mccabe as his father figure within his dream forcing them to pull him out of the lucid dream state yeah no your subconscious will do all those things like uh make you murder your dream girlfriend yeah i guess yeah whatever perfectly reasonable you know sometimes you have nightmares sometimes you think you're falling forever and sometimes you Kill someone and can only recognize who that person is by the uh, by the mole on their on their breast. It was ten seventy seven. Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit off. It's twenty two cents off. 
Yeah. I'm feeling only guilt and revenge toward you right now. <laughs> and shame. <laughs> feeling lots of shame. shame. All right. Sorry. Uh, I didn't hear anything that you guys were talking about no, that okay. whole time. I was Googling we're, we're, to figure that out. We're talking about the, uh, really, the... The last scene of the movie. The first half of the last scene of the movie. Yeah, the oh, explanation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the half of this scene that I want to talk God, about. Well, and, okay, so the... This is, I guess, where they got the name for the movie Vanilla Sky. Uh, and he had, he had mentioned that before about the Monet painting. Yeah, well, I mean... He, if, had, he had said something about Vanilla Sky. I still like don't really know what that means. I mean... Even in an artistic sense. The sky is vanilla. It, it's plain. It's... Uh, <laughs> well, vanilla's know. brown, so I don't... I mean, it's... Well, it's, you know, white when it's ice cream. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Do people do people actually describe the Monet painting as uh, having a vanilla sky? They do now. I don't know. Well, someone someone tweet at us, please. Someone tweet at us. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have much to say about this first half of the last scene, <laughs> um, but uh, it did remind me of this movie called Ethan Hawke called The Thirteenth Floor, which okay. I don't think is great, but it is another. It it might be like more of the structure of how this movie should have been. It's more of like a high concept sci fi movie. It's about these people who live in a world where you can create like perfect simulations, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like a Westworld thing, but more like a holodeck Westworld. Okay. Um, and uh, you know that's a fun one for people to go see. I won't say anymore because it's spoils spoils the ending it's a very plot driven movie okay it turns out that's he was what the dead scene the whole time of. <laughs> he was dead the whole time <laughs> yeah no, I don't know. all right well they emerge <laughs> on the rooftop high above the clouds tech support tells david that while they have fixed his lucid dream he has a choice of either being put back into the dream or to be woken up in reality requiring a literal leap of faith off the roof that will wake him from his sleep david opts to wake up despite a vision of mccabe warning him against it before jumping, David envisions Brian and Sophia to say his goodbyes. David jumps and his life flashes before his eyes before hitting the ground. A female voice commands him to open your eyes and David opens his eyes. He envisions Brian and Sophia to say his goodbyes. Not to them. Never to them. Nope. No, no. He he just is this idea of them where they both love him unconditionally. and yeah. My favorite part is when he's like... You know, what would you do if you controlled the world? And he's like, I'd have Kurt Russell show up. And then Kurt Russell immediately shows up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And also, like, the brief existential crisis that Kurt Russell was starting to have, like, on the sidelines that they didn't really focus on. You know, after they're like, oh, this world is fake. And he's like, wait, what? The world is fake? Am I fake? And yeah. they just didn't really go back to that at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I enjoyed it. Um, also, I'm reading this website, which says the Vanilla Sky, in Vanilla Sky, refers to a Monet painting owned by the main character, but in a larger sense it's used as a metaphor for a life free of pain or difficulty a dreamlike ethereal realm where one is cradled in the warm hues of perpetual summer sunset yeah mason yeah just i'm still just thinking of ice cream yeah happiness yeah okay it's like vanilla ice cream you You know know it's like really it's like good it's fine it's fine (laughs) but it's not exciting right all right you know what i guess what it is you're like no i want some pistachio ice cream it's kind of terrible but it's exciting just like (laughs) just like life kind of terrible but it's exciting yes i'm i'm on i'm on board i I get it i get it now but i just god i don't know i feel like we've been talking about this scene forever already yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm 
Are we done? <laughs> yeah, I think we I might be. Is, I don't know I what else this there is, is to like say. A metaphor for the whole movie. It really it's is. Like I don't know. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> Although it, it does make me think. I mean, it's hard to talk about something that's just exposition. Yeah, yeah. that's all it is. This is just like you're at the end. It actually, kind of reminds me of the Usual Suspects a little bit. Um, I okay. Think, I think that was a way better movie. But I remember that um, when I watched that movie, I got to the end and I was just like, oh, I feel like I just saw a movie where I couldn't have figured out what was happening and then at the end you just told me what was happening yeah. and then i'm just like i don't know was that fun yeah you really <laughs> was that interesting you got to give the audience an opportunity to figure it out it was, right yeah I, I think there was more opportunity in that one i mean obviously they don't want you to figure it out because they want the yeah. reveal they at li- the end they lie to you a little bit yeah. a little bit but no usual suspects was leaps and bounds above vanilla sky yeah in terms of quality so it does occur to me though as, as we get to this sorry why... cameron crow yeah does I'm not sorry, Cameron Crow. Your movies suck. <laughs> Jerry Maguire was good. It was okay. <laughs> I liked it. All right, so let's ignore what Mason was about to say. No, that's fine. Hurry. <laughs> Hurry. I want to go to bed. It's really not it's really not that important. <laughs> Just go. Just move on. Well, okay, let's get into some fun facts and background info on vanilla stuff. <laughs> <laughs> A special menu for your delight, oh my Tonight you fly so high up in the vanilla sky Right, so Vanilla Sky was made on a $68 million budget and made $203.4 million in the box office So pretty solid uh, box office showing Especially for a movie that's weird yeah. you know, I feel like that was a, a little high, a little high box office for Something like this, normally it wouldn't make as much money. But uh, as we can see with the Rotten Tomato score, uh, it was very well liked by the audience, 72%. Uh, critics, not so Boo. much, 42% from Yay. critics. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this may be the first time Metacritic has been perfectly in line with Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it got a 43 out of 100 for Metacritic, or for critics through Metacritic. And then the user score was 7.9 out of 10. Okay, so right. almost exactly the same. Uh, Although, again, I want to point out that they're measuring different qualities, so yeah, they don't have to line up. Yeah, no, it, it, and better. They, tomato sucks. They normally don't line up, but uh, this movie they did, so, you know. I guess generally well-liked from average uh, average normal people. Critics uh, did like it. I uh, I lean more towards the critics uh, with this movie, personally. but Yeah, I tend um, to lean more critics in general, unless it's like a genre movie, in which case the audience usually knows better like horror yeah. movies you know yeah well you know i mean if i go see zombie land 2 i know the critics aren't going to particularly enjoy that movie most likely but it's not a movie that critics should enjoy really it's not made for them yeah fuck you critics yeah and when i go to zombie land 2 i know that it's not a movie really that i will enjoy <laughs> but i have amc a list so there are no stakes and i don't have anything to do on that saturday night so oh there I you go anyway was it worth it? No. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but what else were you going to do with that time? I don't know. Read a book? Watch a better movie? <laughs> Plus a four? lot of things. No. I said a better movie. <laughs> I, I, I stand play by a, my statement. Play a board game I actually, I actually... Oh, Go shopping. I don't know. It's a tough call. Learn some computer programming. 
Checklist-based uh, movie answer, analysis. Some emails. You said you were tired. Do your thing. Uh, watch some puppy videos. <laughs> do your thing. Oh, I'm listing all great. the things that I would rather do than watch bad movies oh. and podcast about them. Yeah. Uh, oh. Okay, so <laughs> well, uh, Vanilla Sky, were there two women? <laughs> yes. Were they named? Yes. Did they talk to each other? No, I don't know. Sexy so. lamps? Were no. they sexy lamps? <laughs> oh, just going right uh, through this one. I, I want to say yes to the sexy lamps. I think they are sexy lamps, right? Wait, you, yes is that they pass it, or yes they are sexy lamps? They are sexy lamps. I, think they're, <laughs> I mean, they're pretty sexy lamps. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I don't so, know. Could a lamp kill you? Hmm? Could a lamp kill itself? <laughs> if, you, if, you let a car, if you let a lamp drive a car, it's going to kill you. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay, so Cameron Diaz, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe maybe because although I think it it definitely hurts her case that you never hear from her again because she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, but you know Penelope Cruz does a lot of stuff. uh, I'd I'd say they're probably not. She comes outside and picks him up off the road, and she's nice to him. Well, that's fake Penelope Cruz. Well, okay, sorry. (laughs) This fake Penelope Cruz isn't a lamp. This Penelope Cruz is 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 a lamp that just keeps saying shit about cats over and over again. Fucking cats! (laughs) I will say the whole car crash thing is kind of like the thing that starts the movie. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'd say. At least Cameron Diaz's character is not a sexy lamp. I, I think it passes yeah, this one. Sexy really... lamp is, should be pretty easy to pass, and I think this one doesn't pass it great, but it does enough. It does Squeaks enough over to the pass finish it. line. Yeah. Sure, I'll give it a pass on this. One. Yeah, I, I think it does. Pass. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Makamori. No. 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 Okay. Nobody has a character arc. No. 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 Okay. Unsung heroes. Well, Cameron Diaz's arc definitely is not supporting a man. Because <laughs> she killed him. Yeah. <laughs> but she tried. She's trying. Uh, okay, Unsung Heroes. I didn't think about this before. Oh, God, I didn't think about it either. You know, Jason Lee's character. Who's Jason Lee? His friend. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I guess. he He really put up with a lot of shit from David, and he was a good friend and stuck by him. He did most and of he the was. time. Most until, of most of the time. Well, until he, he was being fucking creepy. Yeah, but you know, like he keeps talking about you know how he had a thing for Julie Gianni, and then David, you know, started sleeping with her, and then he had a thing for this Sophia chick, and then what does David do? He started sleeping with her. And he's yeah. just kind of a dick, and the whole time he's like, "Yeah, we're best friends." Yeah, I'm Jason Lee. Woo! I live in Denton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say the tech support guy who had to deal with this guy. Oh, absolutely. Started murdering people in his lucid dream. <laughs> God damn it. We got another one. Why is he wearing a mask? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Uh, is he just living out some Halloween thing? What? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go uh, with who all the people that helped, that had to help coordinate what they had to do to get that shot of an empty Times Square with just Tom Cruise in it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you may not know this, but fun fact that actually it wasn't CGI or anything hey, like really? that. Hey, they really? Really? Quit on my toes. This was <laughs> hey, unprecedented. Y'all are dicks. But they actually <laughs> y'all are dicks. left him film in That's Times my section. Square. Wow. It was my amazing. Wow. It's amazing. Do do Lestats of Louis. All right. Jack All right. Lestats or Louis. Go. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry wow, up. Okay. Motherfuckers. Um, I'm Louie. <laughs> I'm sad. Why is there an anonymous kangaroo on our Google Docs? Um, Who's the fucking kangaroo? I don't. 
Oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> a really good question. My Google Docs say Donovan Bruce and then Anonymous King. Oh, Do you have that? okay. So I'm 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 looking at this right now as the. Uh, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. All right, whatever. We figure this out. It later. doesn't matter. Lestat and Louise. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna say for uh, for a Lestat, um, the uh, this the uh, dream psychologist, Kurt Russell. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll give him that. I think I think he he definitely displayed some of the most human emotions uh, coming up against you know all of the things that he kind of found out that he himself was a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I really like the existential crisis on the side. Yeah. Um, and fun fact, you know, Kurt Russell himself, we could say, is an unsung hero because he agreed to do this movie without even reading the script. Why really? are you doing wow. this? Why <laughs> are you amazing. doing this? <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Uh, and as far as my Louis go, oh, it's a it's a tough call, but I'm probably gonna say, um, you know, what? I think I'm David gonna have to Ames. say, yeah, Tom Cruise's character, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's pretty depressing the whole time. You know, he, I, I might, I might give him a little stat if we're just talking about him when he's specifically in the, uh, like in the prison talking to the therapist. I think he does. Uh, I think. What I, you mean when he's doing his interview with the vampire? He's literally yeah. Louis. Uh, well, <laughs> well, maybe, but no. See, I, I think he does a much better. I, I, like, I think that's that's a good scene. Like, good scenes, and they they all tend to be pretty well written for him. Um, versus the rest of the movie, where he just a lot of it's him moping. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my list ad is going to be um, Wormtail, uh, whoever that guy was. Oh yeah, he was barely there at all, and then they just have like this. You know, this throwaway line that's just like, oh, yeah, actually, he helped him, you know, keep control of his company and all that. Yeah. Um, so that guy was awesome. Um, also, my Louie is going to be the tech support guy because I thought he was boring and weird and dumb. Okay. Oh. I agree with what y'all said. All right. Yay. Cool. Moving, moving on. on. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, I've got some trivia that wasn't ruined but i'm gonna keep reading the stuff that y'all ruined even though y'all ruined it because this is my section and i hate the scene with tom cruise alone in times square is not computer in hand wow <laughs> the production was given unprecedented permission to shut down times square for a sunday that must Amazing. take a lot of effort Goodness. and yeah it's and wild never could have known that at the time the news ticker was providing updates on the george w bush al gore election Don't and remind me. to avoid dating the film Cameron Crowe got permission to, ch- to change the NASDAQ sign in post-production. Uh, David Ames lives in the Dakota, the famed New York City apartment building where John Lennon lived and died. Uh, the interior was built on a set, and the exterior seen briefly at the start of the film was shot without a permit, as the residents do not allow filming at the premises. Uh, as was previously mentioned, Kurt Russell agreed to do the film without reading the script. Wait, wait, wait. Go, yeah. go, go, go back one. Okay. They they could they could shut down time goddamn square, but they could not get permission to film inside this particular building. Rich people are weird, man. Yeah, no, I yeah, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> uh, the flat screen television that retracts into the floor was thought up by Cameron Crowe and Tom Cruise while brainstorming uh, things they've always dreamed of having. Um, and Crowe said in, in the commentary that the design was drawn up by Cruz, who wanted to stall one in his house before realizing that it would retract through the ceiling of the floor below him. So, impractical. Um, Tom Cruise says this is the best film he's ever done. Uh, I don't have a date on that, so I don't know <laughs> if that's changed or not. But You know uh, what? I could see him having a lot of fun making this. 
if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, continuing our running theme of uh, what movie star William Mapather, his cousin. Um, well, star. Yes, stars. stars. <laughs> the star of the film, William Mapather, uh, okay. is the guy who Sophia was talking to at the club when David interrupts them. Clearly the star of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were not any. I don't. I couldn't find any information about anyone who else who was you know up for the role of David Ames. So there probably wasn't any. So that I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a movie from here on out where anybody was up for the role or if they just wanted Tom Cruise. So that may be a recurring thing that lasted for two episodes and it's not ever going to be talked <laughs> about again because yeah. I started it too late. Yeah. Um, when uh, David is awoken on the street by Sophia, where he chooses his splice to be, as Sophia crashes to talk to him, we see the sky in the background. It is vibrantly colored and represents the sky from the painting. Uh, also, you can apparently hear the effect of a tape rewinding, and as mentioned before, an audio or yeah, an audio, an audible splice. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I did not catch that. Uh, yeah, I didn't catch that either. Uh, I, I, not- I noticed the the bit about the sky, like, but I thought honestly, I thought that was just kind of a thematic thing when we were go- when we we're watching through it first, mm-hmm. which is weird for me because I'm I usually come up with the wild theories about these movies, but uh, it just didn't occur to me in in the moment. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your wild theories, um, I don't know yes. if this is covered by that trivia item because full disclosure, I was not really listening that much. Oh. Um, but <laughs> it was not. Apparently in the director's commentary, Cameron Crowe lists like five different theories as to how to interpret the ending. The director um, gives five different theories. And honestly, three of them sound <laughs> dumb to me <laughs> and based on almost nothing. Um, but one of them is the stock Mason theory of the entire thing was a dream based on like a license plate that has an impossible February 30th date on it at the beginning. Yes. Um, uh, so. I actually did read some trivia about so that. So maybe Mason was right. Yeah. Well, I actually did read some trivia about that. And the reason why that impossible date was there was because it was an accident. But he he ran with it and used it as a as that thing but sure, crow. in actual sure, in actuality in real life when they were making the movie that was just someone fucked up yeah so i'm gonna pick the theory that he uh talks about where tom cruise is just in a drug-fueled you know haze before uh-huh. his surgery for the whole movie okay. or no actually the one where it's just his friend's book yeah the whole I, thing I, is just his friend's oh, book because like it makes no being, sense mm-hmm. makes the doesn't make the movie better and there's no evidence for it in the entire movie that's my favorite part of that theory yeah from and the it, director you know what? No, it's all about Brian. Yeah, it's Brian's movie. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I hope that somebody asked Christopher Nolan about Inception at some point, and he's like, "Was he really in a dream at the end or not?" And he's just like, "I don't fucking know." <laughs> Could be like six different things. I don't know. Yeah, just like no, it was a it was a dream the whole time. Yeah, he was never really alive. He was dead the whole time. It's just him honking it the whole time. Chris Nolan pulls no, off. No. Chris Nolan pulls off a Mission Impossible mask. And it's just a night Shyamalan. Oh god! <laughs> oh, I knew it. Uh, Water kills him. He can see dead people. God damn it! <laughs> All right, there we go. All right, all right. Swing all away, right. Mason. Do you want to do your thing in the wrong order because we forgot to do it? Sure. Why not? Uh, let's just make this real, real short and quick. Y'all gotta. Y'all got a movie that uh, you would recommend? Maybe a better version of this? Maybe just something different? Uh, 13th Floor is a better version of this. Uh, Marriage Story is a great movie watched on Netflix. And there's also a movie that I watched called The Showdown at Sparrow Creek. 
which is pretty good. It's like a whodunit, but with a crazy militia. Okay, okay. Uh, well, we mentioned Your Name. If you have not seen Your Name, watch it, even if you don't like anime, because I think you will still enjoy it. It's very, very well done. Don't uh, watch anime. Also, I just I just watched for the first time uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and it is not very good. The acting's not very good, but Jennifer Love Hewitt was smoking hot in the 90s, so Gross. Uh, watch that for, for her, because she's, she's great. I'm really into old guys in yellow jackets with uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s in it. for their hands. Freddie Prince Jr.'s in it, too. Also, the guy from Big Bang Theory, not Sheldon, the other one. I feel like there, there's more than one other one. The white one. <laughs> Okay. Right. <laughs> I feel weird about that. Let's move on. All right. And you know what? I'm just going to go with uh, Eternal Sh- Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can see the connection. Yeah. I think so. a dream the whole time. Yeah. But a backwards dream. Just honking it the whole time. Just honking it the whole time. <laughs> all right. That's all we have uh, on this movie, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. <laughs> yeah. Join us next time when we watch Minority Report. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and check out our letterbox for our Tom Cruise mover, movie rankings and other general movie stuff. The script specifically I'm says iTunes. Andrew Mount. Uh, for this and other podcasts that we do in the future, visit our website at gcatsmedia.com. That is G is in gravy, catsmedia.com. One more time, gcatsmedia.com. And I'm Mason Kuzmich. If you enjoyed this, uh, go ahead and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter account is at CruisinitPod. That's at C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D. And you've been listening to Cruisin' It.